Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Hello, curiosity seekers. Today, I have my brother back with me to do a very special podcast on the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. Hello, brother. Hi. Thanks for having me back. This is very exciting. It was fun the last time, so... I think that this one is a good one to do with you because, one, you live in Baltimore, and Poe is huge influence in Baltimore. Isn't there the Baltimore Ravens? Like a There is. It's team? strange. So, like, we had no idea when we moved here about two years ago that uh, how much the Poe thing goes to not just this town, but other ones around me. Um, so Yeah, we, restaurants yeah, and taverns and... There's like, yeah, there's yeah. an Annabelle Annabelle Lee ta- uh, restaurant near us. There's a a bar that's only it's like all Edgar Allan Poe themed, and every year they read poems uh, on his birthday. Um, so it's uh, yeah, and the local football team is called the Ravens, named after his most famous poem. The Raven, the poem put him on the map. That was uh, yeah, that was his thing. And I I read it again today, and it's so good. And I remember it being kind of chilling it's a it's a very good poem like i mean obviously because it made him put him on the map but yeah. yeah so you being in baltimore them loving poe and i think he even has two burial sites right his original yeah and i can actually talk about that one i know it's right next to my house uh it's it's well not next to my house it's five minute it's like a five minute walk down a couple blocks uh, my wife walks past there every day to work <laughs> she good. works literally across Which the street she sent me it. a picture so i'm going to post that on my instagram good i'll post um, that when i post the podcast well and the funny thing is so there's actually three towns around us three cities who all claim to be like po towns and you can I, you can't see me this is a podcast but i'm making quotation marks like there's <laughs> there's actually national historic sites uh, for in richmond philadelphia and baltimore all for Edgar Allan Poe. Like I, I, I can't think of another famous American where there's actually that many national monuments, and he has three. Richmond, Richmond is where his girlfriend actually. Well, he has connections with Richmond. He has his the second fiance, which was actually the first fiance, um, Sarah El, Elmira. She was from Richmond, and he lived there for. He lived there, and he was about that's. Before he died, he was he left from Richmond to Baltimore, and so he was there before. And he he was actually on his way to from Richmond. He went to Baltimore. Then he was supposed to go to Philadelphia to help a woman poet edit her poems to publish. And then he was going on to New York to get, I believe, his aunt and bring her back to Richmond in order to get married. So I think he was going to be settling down to be married in Richmond. But and then Philadelphia they... just loves monuments and stuff. I think they just claim. I mean, he he did live there for for a while, but right. Uh, so it's a very weak. West Point community. isn't in Baltimore, is it? No, West Point is in New York. But he knew a lot of people in Baltimore from West Point. 
Uh, yeah, well, there's also, yeah, uh, probably, out of. So, yeah. <laughs> dishonorably. West Point's in New York. We have the, uh, the Navy version, um, in, in Annapolis. Oh, okay. Well, let me do a quick little background on him and, uh, then we'll get into the, to the meat and potatoes of the podcast today of his mysterious last days. So Edgar Allan Poe was born on January 19th. 1809, which I guess January 19th is the day they're doing poems in Baltimore every year. Um, he was born to traveling actors who both died when he was only three. He was split from his brother and sister and went to live with a tobacco merchant, the Allens. I didn't look into to how he knew the Allens, but they took him in and raised him. They wanted him to be a businessman, uh, but he wanted to be a poet like Lord Byron, which it's pretty interesting because there's a connection. We just did the Shelley podcast episode, the Mary Shelley, and his biggest influences was like Shelley and Lord Byron. So I thought that was kind of cool. Poe went on to the University of Virginia, but later dropped out due to financial reasons. The Allens only gave him so much money, not enough to even finish school. Ended up going back to the Allens and found out that his fiance, Sarah Elmira Shelton, was no longer his fiance and married someone else. Drama. So sad. Then he left home and wanted to find adventure. And he. Paycheck. And yeah. And he ended up publishing his first book at age 18. Then he went to find adventure uh, with the U.S. Army. Says he went to the U.S. Army, then he went to West Point. But then he was thrown out. I didn't go. I'm not going into that either <laughs> because he has a very interesting life, but uh, that's a whole other podcast, someone else's podcast. Um, he landed in Baltimore with extended family and he was still writing and publishing short stories. Then he also became a writing critic. And that's when he thought he was friends with Rufus Griswold, who actually wasn't really his friend. Rufus Griswold ended up being an enemy. He's the one that wrote the biography on Poe after he died to shed a uh, bad light on him, saying that he was this alcoholic and opium addict. And he said a lot of things that were apparently not true and that historians have had to try to uh, change because that was his one-sided um, review on him. But because Edgar Allan Poe was a critic, he didn't favor Rufus's writings in a nice light. I guess he's kind of harsh on him. And so that's kind of why he had this lifelong vengeance against him. And in the end, Poe kind of wins that out. I mean, yeah, I mean, him notorious. All those, all those things he like lies, about, Griswold lies about in the memoir, memoir add to like this the mystique of Poe of like this like right. cool underground, strange, yeah. gothic, uh, scary figure. Made him notorious. Just he like also he also said they also said um that Griswold when he died he died at home in a bed with a portrait of Edgar Allan Poe hanging on the wall on the other side of the room which I thought was really crazy either he's really obsessed or he really did like him and hated him at the same time anyway back to Poe um he married Virginia Clem who was his cousin of 13 and moved to New York City and then Philadelphia. So he had connections with all these little cities. But 
he did connect with that extended family in Baltimore, which is a huge reason why Baltimore is such a home for him. In 1845 is when The Raven was published, and that made him famous. Again, it's he was famous, but he also was poor because writers didn't really make a lot of money. But no, apparently... At that point, like it was American writers never made a no, career out of it. You had a he, second job. Yeah, he, but he was the first American writer to make a living off of writing after this. Yeah. Which I didn't even know that... I didn't know that. I I mean, I've never thought about it, but he worked as like a critic and he worked for magazines and all that stuff. Of course, like we just said, he can't make a whole lot of money, but he did fight to get writers more money as he became more famous. He was trying to, to try to help other writers. Virginia did die of tuberculosis uh, at age 24. And that left Poe pretty devastated. He He really did love her. And in 1849, he reconnected with his old fiance, Sarah Elmira, who was then a widowed, conveniently, and they were engaged. But her family wasn't exactly happy about it because he was a writer, famous writer. You would think, okay, that's, you know, but he was poor and that's not um, always a happy thing for a family. And then, of course... Soon after, he died in Baltimore on October 7th, 1849, under mysterious circumstances. Can I, can I do it? Ooh. <laughs> I Sorry. think I have a... That is not a mysterious death noise. No. <laughs> How about that one? That's, That's better. I like that. that works. Okay. <laughs> Every time you see <laughs> mysterious death, you got to go to the sound. Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because I can't hear it. Anyway, okay, I have all these fancy buttons and I don't know which one's which. Okay, so the last days of Poe. So like I said before, he was supposed to go from Richmond uh, to Baltimore and then he was going to head up to New York and all that, but he never he never quite made it. When he got to Sarah Elmira's, he told her on um, September 26th, this is the day before he left Richmond, that he wasn't feeling well. And he said goodbye, mentioned that he was very, very ill, and she talked him into going to the doctor. So he did. He went to see a doctor before he left, but apparently there's no record of anything happening from that visit. If the doctor was like, well, you know, write it out, come see me when you come back. Of course, his trip was going to be a little long. So I don't know. I don't know what his ailments were, and I don't know if they treated him with anything. They may have given him something because there were traces of mercury and a lot of medications were laced with mercury at the time. So perhaps they gave him some type of remedy, but I don't, there's no record of it. But the next day he did leave for Baltimore, the 27th of September, and it was a rainy cold day. So that probably didn't help him any when he left. But he is very familiar with Baltimore, so I don't know what he did in the days leading up to October 3rd. He probably was visiting his friends from West Point, probably maybe he because he was ill, he was trying to recover in a hotel or I don't know, I don't or family or I don't know. There's no record that I could find. On October 3rd, it was documented that there was a, a man named Joseph Walker who was on his way to vote 
at Gunner's Hall, which is a tavern and a polling place for that day, and found this man lying in the gutter. Went to turn him over and found that he was Edgar Allan Poe. So he asked him if he could help him, and Poe only said the word J. Snodgrass. So this guy Walker immediately wrote a note for Snodgrass to come to his assistance right away. Now, <laughs> it's funny that he wrote him a note. So, and I'm like, okay, did he, he obviously didn't mail it because there's a guy in a gutter and you don't mail a letter and say, hey, this guy's in the gutter. He needs your help. And then three days later, the guy gets the letter in the mail. And But I think back then they probably delivered it to the door by some little messenger kid or something. And so that's probably what happened because they probably had no phones. So they had to have someone go, hey, give this note to go to this address and get it. So I'm like messenger. a messenger. And I, I was like, wrote him a letter. But then I had to think, OK, of the time, there's no telephones. They had to they probably got somebody to go give him a note. But they made it sound like such, I don't know. So they wrote this, this note. They ended up taking him to the Washington Medical College. In the note, he wrote that Poe appeared bedraggled and maybe intoxicated. And I, I'm not going to lie, I had to look up the word bedraggled because I did not know what that meant. And it literally means limp and soiled, as with rain. That's like the nicest way of saying he 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 peed and pooped himself because he was so drunk. Yeah, <laughs> he looked intoxicated. Um, so he was taken to the, the hospital, and for four days he was delirious, incoherent, had hallucinations. But I'm not sure if they were auditory or visual. They said that he was yelling out the name Reynolds. Later, it was said that there was the judge at the polling place that he was found was named Reynolds. And they also said that the last thing that Poe ever said was, help my poor soul. Then Poe died on October 7th, 1949, at 5 in the morning. There's no medical records that survived. The death report from the attending, from Dr. John Moran, stated phrenitis, which is pretty much just swelling and congestion of the brain. It's a pretty generic term for a cause of death, like kind of swelling of the brain. And it's a, it's a nice way of saying he died of alcohol um, intoxication or alcohol-related death. So that's the mysterious, mysterious death of poor Poe. He was buried in an unmarked grave. And there was some children that had found out that he had died. And they collected pennies to pay for the burial, which is really, really sad. Did you have something to say? Uh, well, I was going to say, I, I think... Uh, I'm not positive, but I think there was a there was something that came in between there because he he had an unmarked grave, but one um, an old friend of his found out about this and did a lot of the heavy lifting to try to get him moved, um, and then in eighteen later on, and yeah. get it marked. So it was it, so it went originally was unmarked. Yeah, originally and that week, his, like his, when he originally just yeah, died. and then like some time passes. And one of his old friends finds out about this. He raises some money and gets it actually marked. But it's still not a great grave. And it also is starting to go by several decades later. I think it's 18, 1870s or something like that. Um, you'll have to double check the date on that one. Well, I didn't write it down, but he did He did get exhumed and moved into and a much was, nicer. That's the pennies for Poe thing. And pennies for Poe thing 
still happens today. So, um, like, he, I think originally was he was that they read about him in the newspaper, and that's also how his fiance found out, just to get him buried. So yeah. maybe that's a, a thing that was continued because that of the newspaper original. article and that effort was his friend trying to get it to be more widely known and to um, get him properly buried. So yeah. and the, there was an original, and I've seen it. You can still see it. Uh, it's 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 not much. Uh, it, unless there's a sign that says, "Hey, this is his grave." You would have never grave, known. So you yeah. Know, I, no idea. Yeah. Uh, because it all it's it's so cheaply done. Even when they did put a name, it's like one away. So they they did something called pennies for Poe. This was started by a school teacher, and they just start raising money. And school children would give pennies back then, a pretty good amount of money. Nowadays, not so much. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's it's cool because like you can go to some diners, some restaurants here, and you still see pennies for Poe. And they're like, you throw in your your penny into while you're shopping into the bucket, and it goes towards maintaining the house and maintaining the gravesite and stuff uh, like that. That's and cool. people will leave pennies on his actual gravestone, which uh. happens with other graves because you know the. I also, and all that, but. I also read that that someone would come and leave every year a thing of whiskey and roses or something like that, and I think the original, the original, well, not the original, but the tombstone had the wrong birthday or the wrong. <laughs> I think I heard something. that. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, somebody would come. They, someone would come and pee on his grave, which was actually a sign of respect. And I don't know how that's a sign of respect, but I it was, have, uh, wow. I don't know, but I, <laughs> I thought, and they did that every year. So I don't know, just as a, uh, but the whiskey thing was like, they would put it on the, his actual right date as a remembrance. And I don't know. Anyway. Um, so quick side note, this yes. is more probably for you. And I don't know if you want to include this in an actual podcast. So my, my, uh, my tribute left for him was accidental. We had gone with some friends, saw the museum, and then walked the, the mile from his house to where the gravesite is. And in doing so, I had purposely wore a, a Harry Potter Ravenclaw scarf that someone had given me and had lost it <laughs> on my way going from his, from his house to his death. So, <laughs> so that was my, my, uh, my tribute. Your so, tribute to. Yeah, sorry. In Dead. some crazy weird way which ravenclaw has the raven on it which right is, yeah yeah so there right. you go okay so there are some theories the first theory <laughs> the i first... don't know why i threw that and told you that <laughs> it's an interesting little tidbit someone found that scarf and was like oh well thank you brian for for that raven scarf it kept me warm <laughs> <laughs> and it reminds me of poe and Harry Potter, both are literary. <laughs> okay, so the first theory is about murder. This is the one I least likely think happened, but he had some enemies, and I don't think Griswold would have killed him. Writers aren't like that, but there is a theory that the brothers of Sarah might have followed him to Baltimore. They didn't really want him to marry her uh, because he was poor. I don't know what other reasons. Maybe they just rubbed him wrong. I don't think that's likely because he was found in the gutter. So if you're going to kill somebody, you're pretty much probably not going to do it in public, especially if the person you're going to kill knows who you are, right? right? And 
I I feel like they would have done it probably better than just leave. I don't know. It's not like he he wasn't found with any poisons in his in his um toxicity report. So they didn't poison him and leave him to die. There wasn't any signs of well, not that they had said any signs of a beating or bruising or any trauma. So I don't think the murder theory is correct. Right. Cause there's no defensive wounds. Right. And, and no, like, I don't know if they ever checked him for arsenic or anything, but usually arsenic is nausea, vomiting, and those didn't seem to be any of his symptoms. So I, I, even though that's one of the theories, I don't think it's, there's like no evidence to show that somebody was trying to kill him. The second theory is maybe some type of sickness. Again, there was no, there was nothing in the toxicity report. So, but they did say he was sick before he left for Baltimore. It was stated that he wasn't feeling well and he had poor health for many years. He was probably malnourished for many years. And again, I don't know if he was an alcoholic or on opium, but usually people that are alcoholic or drug addicted don't get enough nutrients. So that could very well be. Um, but he was also said to be a very lightweight, that he would get drunk after just one drink. So that doesn't really make for an alcoholic. It doesn't make for a good alcoholic. One drink a lightweight isn't doesn't it's not enough to give you a hepatitis or cirrhosis liver or he, he was kind of a drunk and known for his alcohol drinking earlier in his life but it but he but he really, got drunk really quickly so right. but he but also the, joined like the temperance society I think that's the name of it right the temperance society where he was mm-hmm. like he he was he was on the wagon so he would have had a gone hardcore right which he couldn't do which he couldn't do if he couldn't hold, if you can't hold your liquor and you get drunk that fast, that would explain, which well, explain in a little while why that might make sense. If someone was giving him too much alcohol, then he could end up with alcohol poisoning, but it wouldn't for just the point of like him being a sickly guy from alcoholism. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense also for like why I mean, if I'm not mistaken, who 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 was it? Griswold, Griswold, and and um, Snodgrass, and uh, a few of the other people who were kind of like, uh, who said bad things about him at his death, were the ones who were saying that he was kind of like he drunk himself to death. If people, it, uh, there was a lot of rumors with the whole Temperance Society, not Temperance. So it it's easy for those who are like, oh, look at those Temperance people. One of them were like went off and got drunk and got mm-hmm. killed themselves. It's just. It, yeah, it, it, it feels like it's something that becomes propaganda and not right. But they did they did say that he did have poor health, and that could maybe it's not alcoholism, but maybe it's from being poor. Maybe he just didn't have enough money to properly feed himself uh, nutrition, true nutritious food or whatever. So he'd been kind of maybe vulnerable for a while, but it doesn't matter. Like he was still said that he was sick the day before he came to Baltimore. And it, um, and so he was already in a vulnerable position health-wise. Um, also, like I said, it was raining. So if he was sick, that could have made things a lot worse. And it could have very well been just the flu. He could have had the flu. 
which could cause delirium. It could cause hallucinations. Um, it could cause um, cause a lot of the things, symptoms that he had had. It could make you feel like like seem like you were intoxicated. Um, another theory was that he had rabies. However, what? Yeah, wow. I know. I I was yeah, I was surprised at that. But you would think that if he was bit by some type of animal, he would have said something to somebody, yeah. or that he might have had marks or. Because I'm sure if he was in the hospital, we, I mean, we do now, we look at people's skin when they come in. And if we would have seen like some area of a rabies bite, I'm sure we would yeah, have seen that or they would have seen point. it. I don't know how thoroughly they would have looked at him when he came into the hospital. But I think the reason they thought rabies was because of the symptoms, like the mental confusion, the fever, um, the malaise. So, um, but again, that doesn't really fit exactly like that you would kind of yeah like you would know um brain tumor is another theory the reason that one came about was when they moved his body from one grave to another someone had said they'd seen it's like he had a i don't know bulge or something he did have a big forehead so maybe they just mistaken him <laughs> for for having this brain tumor but there was no evidence of that it couldn't be confirmed Another theory was carbon monoxide poisoning from being indoors too much and breathing in coal gas. But they did analyze his nail clippings and those showed in, they were inconclusive. So that's not really um, plausible. Then there was the mercury poisoning. That's another theory. I've heard there, this one. There were traces of mercury, but again, in that time, a lot of things had mercury in them as an ingredient in medications or just everything they thought it was the cure for everything so mer mercury was and arsenic were in everything at the time they thought that was like a, a cure yeah but so there that, were traces in I, his, I, i'm going to refer to it as the mad hatter's disease because i just find that just fascinating <laughs> that's what that caused but isn't isn't mercury poison um slowly you slowly affect you over time. It's not like it, it can you all of a sudden or it can. Yeah. Either oh, way it can. it can, depending on how much is in it. So if you, um, like for instance, if you're taking a lot of medications, um, you're really sick and you're taking, you can poison yourself to death by too much mercury, but it also is a slow acting one as well. So it could be both. Gotcha. You could either die quick, you know, but, so they did an analyst of his hair and there wasn't enough mercury to kill him, to kill him. Okay. But there were traces of mercury in his system. But, but again, that's not, everywhere. yeah, that's not surprising. Um, yeah, then of I really kind of wanted that to be the truth once you started like bringing that one up. Okay. Yeah, no, it wasn't enough. Um, and then of course there is the alcohol toxicity. Okay. And the alcohol one, is interesting because now I work in a hospital. I, I'm a hospital nurse, right? So I work in a lot of big cities. A lot of times we get a lot of people that are <laughs> drunk when they come in. Um, a lot of <laughs> side note, a lot of times family members will drop off their drunk family member. They can't handle them. <laughs> they, <laughs> and they drop them off at the ER or whatever. They're belligerent or some some something happens so they they drop off their drunk 
uh, person. So it takes a few days before a person becomes withdrawn from alcohol. So Mm -hmm. it takes a few days for it to get out of their system. Now, at first, of course, you're dealing with the delirium and the, well, the drunk, right? The, The Whatever. They usually sleep it off. But then there's a point where it's like two to three days later, and Poe died a few days later, where they start to withdraw from the alcohol. And then that's when there can be seizures. That's when they become agitated. That's when they become a little mentally crazy. Um, there's, there's a lot of different things that go on. Now, they didn't have any, like I said, the medical records didn't survive, but they didn't have any proof that he was having seizures. However, he may have been going through some withdrawals and maybe he did have seizures that just weren't witnessed. Um, so this could be a possibility that if he was going through addiction or alcohol withdrawal, that that could have been something that he died from. Especially if he'd already been drinking. I He was about to get married and I feel like he was in a good place. So to go off the wagon that hard seemed a little, again, like we were saying, maybe not so relevant. And to be on, to get withdrawals, you have to be have been drinking for periods of time, not just a couple of days, to all of a sudden right. get away from your system, right? To get to the point where you need withdrawal. Right. It sounds again that it doesn't fit, but I can see where the doctors wouldn't have known his past experience with alcohol, and they could have just said, "Okay, he died from the alcohol um, that." Um, Con- the brain conge- congestion. But I see but I see where the dots are being connected towards. I'm getting excited. This is fun. <laughs> um so so yeah, so that's that is something that is a real possibility. But in his case, I'm not sure that that really was what was happening. Um and it also doesn't explain how he got himself into the gutter in the first place. So if he was drinking okay if he was drinking and um and so intoxicated that he ended up in the scutter he at that point he was already incoherent and seeming like he was going like the symptoms that he had in the gutter and the symptoms that he had towards death in those four days or whatever never really changed right it's not like he was seemed drunk at this point and then withdrawing at this point, it just all, all the symptoms kind of seemed the same. It didn't change. Does that make sense? Yeah. Being drunk and being withdrawn are different. Yeah. 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 That's kind of, I think what I was trying to say, but you said it better. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So that brings me to the um, third theory. So in the third theory, this is the one I, I like the best because it's the most mysterious maybe and most kind of, I don't know. I'm, to me, it's, I'm hoping you're saying the one that I think it, that I, it's is my favorite cooping. one. Yeah, cooping. Yeah. Cooping. So this theory is, so there was a lot of political corruption going on in Baltimore and a lot of crooked politicians that would enlist the work of the muscle men from gangs to help them sway the vote. And Nothing must have changed. We just got rid of our mayor last year. 
for being <laughs> overly corrupt. Oh. For doing stuff at the location of his gravesite, by the way. Not oh the gosh. <laughs> well, history does repeat itself. She was selling books that she wrote to the to the university. <laughs> to the oh, medical like, system. <laughs> geez. The, there was three gangs that I want to um to give you the names of. The Rip Raps. <laughs> I love it. Blood Tubs. Even better. And the Plug Uglies. I've heard of Plug Uglies. They're in New York. That is the weirdest name. I don't understand any of these names, but I'm sure that they have some relevance in, in gangs. I, I don't know. But I mean, Plug Uglies is, was one of the gangs in the Five Points in Gangs of New York. Oh, in really? This the, the, the Scorsese movie that he had done on the on Real Gangs. Oh, well, they had their Very reach fun. out into Baltimore. So they would do things like ballot stuffing, voter intimidation, bribery, and then kidnapping, which sounds familiar, except for the kidnapping, right? Kind of relates to uh, modern day polling techniques, people with guns intimidating at the polling place, suitcases full of ballot stuffing. Just kidding. I, I, someone posted something about a picture. They showed a picture and they showed this suitcase and they're like circled it and were like, look, here, look at all these extra ballots. And I'm like, wouldn't it take a lot more ballots yeah. than a suitcase yeah. to change the, I don't know. Anyway, we won't go there, but it is kind of relevant that people are still trying to claim Back voter then, fraud. They knew the fraud was happening. They just didn't have the ability to stop it. Nowadays, it does yeah. happen. You have the ability to stop it, so it doesn't happen. Right. I think it's a lot less likely, and unless you have, you know, Russian hacking. But again, a lot of those were mail-in ballots that are like paper. It's not like Russia came in and brought suitcases full of. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, I'm going to stop. Um. So one of the tactics was kidnapping, and the polling places were overseen by judges and where Poe was found was the Gunner Tavern. There was a judge named Reynolds, which is the name that Poe yelled out. So I don't know if it's related to, to Reynolds, but here um, they had judges that oversaw, I guess, to make sure there was all on the up and up. And so do you know if he was on the actual ballot? The judge, or was he? Uh, no, he was. He wasn't. He was just. He was at the polling place. Got it. To make sure that people were um, voting properly or whatever. So okay. So what the gangs would do is they would find someone vulnerable and they would either give them alcohol and then take them around to all these different polling places and have them vote the way they wanted them to vote. They would change their clothes or their appearance. And then they would go again to all these polling places. In the meantime, they would either give them alcohol or opium before or after as an incentive or a bribe. And because Poe is a lightweight. Yeah. I don't think that would have worked very well. They might have found out very quickly that he was not the most cooperative of people to like take to all these places. But the reason why they think that they did this to him was because he was found in very ill-fitting clothing that was not his own mm -hmm. when he was found in the gutter. So 
this may have happened, but I don't know to what extent uh, successfully. The other thing is, I don't imagine that the gang members were very well read. They kind of seem like they would be thugs, right? The guy that found him, Walker, recognized him as being Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe is kind of famous at this point. But if the gang members found this guy and were going to take him around to all these different taverns, they probably didn't realize who they were taking. So at some point, the jig might have been up if he went into a tavern and Reynolds was like, hey, you're Edgar Allan Poe. You're not this guy that's trying to vote. So he might have been caught, right, at some point. And so maybe the gang members were like, oh, screw this, and they just kind of dumped him off into the gutter. That's my theory that I think that these gang members probably didn't know who they were dealing with, but other people knew who Edgar Allan Poe was. So they the other his clothes, but did they actually? There was his haircut or anything? No, like they didn't say that it was. But they probably they probably didn't need to get to that extreme. Maybe Poe's... That's, the, that's one thing they do in other things, and I'm, I'm forgive me, I forget who wrote the book, but I am I'm bringing back to Gangs of New York. One of the things they would do is you switch your clothes, but also cut people's hairs so they look completely right. different. And they could have. It just doesn't mention that it was. Or they may have had a wig at some point and it fell off or something. Oh, that's true. Okay. So I I thought of that appearance thing, but um, they didn't. I, no one said anything about the hair, but they. I'm assuming they didn't cut off his hair because they were able to do hair samples later. So he had to have some hair and it doesn't grow after death. So I, it may be in a wig of some sort or a hat or something that got lost. Um, or again, maybe they just didn't get that far. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, I just feel, I feel like how could they not know who this guy was? The stranger on the street knew who he was. So they, they, um, I know it's not the most prolific term, but so they Shanghai him off the sidewalk get him drunk to make it easier to deal with, send him to the polling place, try to switch his clothes, but he's a lightweight. And so he is no longer able to be manipulated to go back to the <laughs> polls. Is that what you're, is, is that the theory? Maybe. I mean, the theory, well, I like it. I think it works. That my theory is that he, yeah, that he probably was a lightweight, didn't, wasn't cooperative enough to keep going and they just kind of left him there kind of got him to a point where he was and and maybe there was quite a few maybe he did because maybe he did have alcohol poisoning to the point where he maybe they gave him three drinks or something yeah and he you know he, they just um kind of was like okay let's let's dump this guy because we can't do anything more with him or whatever or maybe they did get to every poll i don't know how many polling places there were at that time but they maybe they were able to get to as many as they could, and I don't know, I don't know, but I, I feel like um, I don't know if he had already, and I don't know what time of day he was found either. But the drinking, I think, has a lot to do with it. I think they probably did, because that was one of their things. They would give them drinks or opium, and and they said it was either before or after. I guess it depended. But they probably found this guy, you know, I don't know what what he was, maybe he was already at the town, I don't know. But yeah, so that's my theory is I think that maybe they just um, 
kind of were done with him and kind of left him. I think either way, even if they had accomplished everything they were going to do, they probably would have still just dumped him. Just kind of let him wander around, but depending on how much he had in his system. And again, if he would have been at the hospital, all that alcohol would have been out of his system by the time he died. So don't know how much he had to drink before he, before he died. Right. So a, a toxicology report would show alcohol, but not if it's already out of the system, obviously. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this poor, poor vulnerable pose on, you know, on the street as just as a victim. And the, even the newspaper, they said that morning and the local newspaper said, cooping is a real thing. Beware. There's people out there that will kidnap you <laughs> and uh, try to intimidate. And they were talking about, about that in the newspaper that morning before the, before the election. I, f I still feel like if he would have gone into one of those polling places, someone would have recognized him. Right. Cause it wasn't, he was famous at that time and he was a big, he was, he was a Baltimorean. Is that the right word? So, uh, I think so. So he had a, he knew a lot of people there, so he would have been known. Right? So maybe they, they grabbed him as the unknown people grabbed him, put him in right. one of those like uh, cages. I think you said something about a cage at one point, a coop. That's why it's called cooping. Oh, uh, no, I didn't uh, know that. Oh, you didn't say that. Sorry. That was in my head. It's called a cooping because <laughs> they would keep them in coops. Ah. Um, uh. Yeah. Um, so they, <laughs> okay, sorry. Let me restart my sentence. Uh, so they kidnap him, uh, put him in a coop, and then somebody goes, oh, hey, that's Edgar Allan Poe. What the hell are you doing kidnapping him? You can just imagine one of the bad thugs hitting the other bad thugs upside the head going, okay, now you just kidnapped one of the most famous writers in America. Oh, we uh, got to hide the evidence. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to, we can't use him. He can't go to the polling station. Okay, just get him drunk and keep him there. We'll dump him later. So yeah. after the election... And I have to ask you when the election was compared to when they found his body. They dump him afterwards. Well, the election's the same day. The same day as the body. Yes. Okay. Because so the guy they, that found him was on his way to vote. So they dumped the body just going, okay, we can't use him. Just get rid of him. That's a good theory. That's a good theory. I'm building on yours at this point. This is yours. <laughs> I'm just, this is an addendum. Um, but I'm just, but seriously, right? How could you not know? Okay, I'm okay. I'm horrible at actors. Like, remember we we went to the we went to the movies. The what was it called? That big movie, Grand, or the? I can't remember. <laughs> You're gonna give me more than the name, Grand Grand Canyon, Grand Torino. No, the movie theater downtown L.A. Um, there was a there was an actor there, and then we <laughs> okay. Well, there was an actor. About Russell and, Brand. We saw Russell Brand at, at LACMA. No, Russell Brand was at the museum. Yeah, LACMA. that was at the museum. This was at the movie theater. Anyway, we saw this movie. This this act. You saw this actor, and then you turned and you're like trying to. I don't know if you were getting picture. You're trying to look, and I don't know who he was. I'm horrible at actors. I don't. I well, I don't watch much TV, but. I, I don't, I'm not good. And the only reason that we recognized Russell Brand was because of all his scarves, right? Because at first it was like he walked by, I would have not have known there was an eccentric guy with all these scarves walking around with a strut, right? But then we're like, wait, that's, that's Russell Brand. 
I'm horrible at that. So, but there are people that are good at recognizing famous people, even out of their makeup and all of their, all, all that. that right? driving nuts. You and I saw a movie downtown LA and I saw a celebrity. I cannot remember this. Yes. Song. Okay. I'll tell you who the, I'll tell you who it is. And then maybe you'll remember. I don't know the guy's name, but he was on the walking dead. He was the guy that was playing Dale. It's the old guy on the walking dead. Holy hell. And which I didn't see the walking dead till later. And I was like, Oh, that's the guy with the RV. And I recognized him. Yes. And then Holy hell, I didn't know. I didn't know who he was. So, but we, we've seen celebrities before. I mean, living in LA is kind of, but I don't reckon, like, I don't know who they are. Yeah. When I worked, when I worked at the movie store, <laughs> the music store, the movie music store in uh, Newport beach, Costa Mesa, I, we get, I got a lot of actors and stuff, but again, I wouldn't know who they were. Really? The dad from Alf lived. The dad every... from Alf. He was easy. He was at our bank. He would go to your video store. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would rent movies there. And then the other one was, um, the lead Michael, Michael Ness, Mike Ness, um, musician. You are forgetting the fact that like the Maytag repairman. Yeah. But Gordon we were jump. We were friends with him. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, but he was a like he was a friend. So of course you're gonna recognize him. But yeah. anyway, I'm really bad about it. We, we just went into a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, point, yeah, my yeah, point is that recognize celebrities. Yeah, I'm bad about it. But but this guy, it's not like. One, he has a very distinctive face. Edgar Allan Poe has a very distinctive face. Yeah. And I think he he wrote a lot of love letters to the ladies back in the day before he married his 13-year-old cousin. I can't imagine that without his flowery poetry, he would have been a catch. But <laughs> his, he's not the most attractive guy, but sometimes they say that people that are funny or that are good writers are more attractive than people who aren't. Julia Roberts married Lyle Lovett. Let's just, there's her case number A. Did she really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Lyle Lovett, of all people, look at his face. Yeah, poor Lyle. But he's a good singer. He's a anyway, guy. okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, back up. Okay. So that is the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> do you have a favorite? Um, do you have a favorite poem or story? Homer Simpson as Poe reading the Raven as Bart being the Raven is the absolute oh. best version of anything he's ever of any of his works of any time. <laughs> Just go back and watch it. It's the I know. I yeah. I have seen nail it. it. I, I feel like Edgar would be rolling over in one of his graves if he knew this. No. Poetry he was, was a populist, and I think he would have I'm appreciated it. He probably um, would have, because they do they do say that the Raven is is done in many different ways. Like it's it's a very popular thing to recreate. It is. And I think that imitation is a good form of. I, it's an homage more than anything, and yeah. they, it, it, the Simpsons actually did a really good job of like they were they were pretty close to it, but I mean, uh, 
I love that. I mean, he he, he helped create the idea of a, of a fictional detective story. He added so much. Oh to yeah, Tennessee. I have he added list. so much to horror. Like he, he, there's so much that influence he had. But if you, I have taken. I had to take poetry classes when I, poetry writing classes when I was in college, getting my writing degree, and that writing structure of the Raven, where you you end every line like in i think it's there's a certain structure a b c d e and then the next one is b c there's the structure that he writes in that it is so unbelievably hard to write um on your own uh, that getting the structure right is just like unbelievable it's like it's like in baking terms not only does he nail the recipe but he also nailed the flavors like it, it it's an amazing piece of fiction in the poem but the actual yeah. structure itself is insanely hard to accomplish it's yeah it's, it's a i love all his work i was like i said i was reading it today and it is very it's really good and then when you take it apart to kind of see what it really means it's very it's so good it just all comes together really perfectly um I like The Raven. I think that was probably, of course, the first thing I ever read. My favorite, but I haven't read everything, so I can't really say that out of all of them. But one of the ones I've read that I really liked is The Pit and the Pendulum. I was going to say The Pit and the Pendulum is really good in the tale. Because it does create this anxiety in you and you're in the way, and this fever as he's writing, as he's, as the story's going along. And that one is one of my favorites. Again, I wrote, I read that one again the other day and I was like, yeah, it still makes me anxious. <laughs> it's still. The Telltale Heart is all, is probably of his stories are my favorite of his stories. Yeah. I, I, I haven't read that one in a long time, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to reread that one. Which also, by the way, the Simpsons did an amazing job on that, <laughs> on that cover. Did they do that one? I didn't realize they, that they, one. They completely changed the, the, the plot. It's, it's about Lisa oh. and the diorama and, and, and faking it, but it's a, it's a really good meta one for one of their Halloween specials, but like the, just, I mean, psychological horror. It's, yeah. It's, he's good at it. Yeah. I mean, he's in, he draws people in. He basically invented it. Like it, yeah. it's a whole other thing. He's not describing like other people like HP Lovecraft or even the Shelley's uh, like there was description of horror, but he, like this idea of you, you murdered somebody and the psychological just, nature of yeah. the murderer. That's the kind of horror I like is the psychological horror. Not the jump at you or yeah. descriptions of yeah, yeah, yeah. gore. It's the psychological, like, like get out that movie, yeah. get out. Yeah. So when, and I didn't watch that for a long time because I was like, I don't like horror movies, no, but when I good. watched it, I was like, this is in, this is psycho. This is psychological, this is psychological horror. That's the kind of stuff I like, but I, I made a list of things I didn't know about Poe because uh, I mean, I, of course I'm not, um, one of those people that know the insides and outs of him and I don't live in Baltimore and get to have that on a yearly basis. But, um, but I, when I was, it's every October on his death. Well, it's coming up. The thing is we're like in quarantine, not quarantine. We're in a pandemic. Yes. And traveling is not always like, yeah. Next October, come on out on his death day. I know Uh, I I should, I really want to, you'll probably still be in Baltimore by then. Right. Uh, Um, (laughs) Ask me where we're not recording. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So one of the things I didn't know, I didn't realize he had died when he was only 40. Yeah. That's really young. I mean, Nick is 40, our brother. 
That's so young. That's you not, I mean, yes. <laughs> uh i did not know that he was known as the father of the detective story which you just mentioned yes um i have not read the murders in the rue morgue but i guess that's a detective story yeah I'm not, and, I um and then he was an influence to sir arthur conan conan doyle who's of course did sherlock holmes yes so that was his influence it's nice to see like the connections like shelley and byron were Poe's influences and then you know Sherlock Holmes was influenced by Poe it's kind of it's kind of cool to see that uh, I also didn't know that he fought so hard to get writers higher wages and I didn't know that he was the first American to make a living off of writing which yeah. I t we talked about I didn't know those things I, I just he also started his own magazine I saw what's it called the pen no, it's called. Or is that what he worked for? PE and then. Oh shoot! It was called. I want to say the stylus or the. What was it called? I forgot. The stylus. It was called the stylus. Oh, nice memory. It took him. No, I wrote it down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have notes. Um, he he wrote um for other magazines as well, but he started that one and. It took him a while to get some momentum as far as financial support. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again for being on my literary medical history episode of Edgar Allan Poe's Mysterious Death. Yes. Uh, anytime. <laughs> um, enjoy the I have a, a fascination for mysterious deaths, obviously. And I... I like I like putting those things together. I like things. Um, the person that I learned the story from was actually a medical historian. So it seems like, okay, that's kind of weird to have. I'm doing, I do a medical history podcast, but I'm doing on a, a story or an author. But there is connections. Medical historians are fascinated by mysterious deaths. And how about, how about this? Now, two of your stories are now Baltimore-based. Yes. Well, because well, you did Henrietta Lacks, right? Yeah. I I have well, no. And yes. I've I've studied her and I've I haven't done a podcast of her. Oh, I thought you did. No. I have researched her. I've read books about her. Um, but I haven't done a podcast on her yet. So two of the biggest medical mysteries are Baltimore. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. And hopefully we could do it again sometime. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by the heaven that bends above us, by the God that we both adore. Tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked of starting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness and broken, quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore.
and the raven never flitting still is sitting still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallias just above my chamber door and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon that is dreaming and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore I hope you enjoyed today's mental vacation from your current life. If you did and are curious for more, please subscribe. Before you go, if you have anything to add to today's show or you have a topic that you think is worthy of dissection, please reach out on dissectingmedicalhistory.com or Instagram on dissectingmedicalhistory. Thank you and stay curious. <laughs>